take two men that happen to be cousins who share a common codependency on movies, put them in a room, and tell them to talk about anything film-related. The result? A corpulent cornucopia of cinematic scrutiny we call The Finleys on Film. Hey, Tommy. Hey, what's up, Mr. Finley? How are you? I'm all right. How are you, sir? Good. Well, welcome to our... Okay, I'm not doing that. New episode. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Latest episode. Welcome to Finley's on Film, everybody. Sterling Hayden's the uh, focus Whoa, today. Let's do it. All right, breaking right into it. Good old Sterling Hayden. Fucking A. Love yeah. Sterling. Love me some Sterling Hayden. Yeah? Where's the As first the place you saw him? Oh, Godfather. Of course, right? Right. I frisked a thousand young punks. This is before he gets the spaghetti bullet in the throat, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And and, and well-deserved. And then takes out the table like a a boss motherfucker. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Like, this is what I think of Italian food. (laughs) Headbutts the table. He was, at that point, I think it was uh, uh, truly a, a, he's a boozer. That's really hidden. I think by that right. time he's sort of unrecognizable as a sort of like a stalwart hunk that he was in the 1950s. Right, and you, and you know why that is? Why? Well, oh, well, he got into uh, he got a little bit into the alcohol because um, he kind of he got down on himself super hard. He actually uh, he actually ratted on some friends during Huac. House on American Act. You're kidding me? No, serious. So he actually he actually uh, rolled on some of his friends, and he. Never forgave himself for that, and that's when he started. As he on, shouldn't actually. He started, so on, started on the alcohol at that point, and it really fucked him up. I had no idea. This is a new wrinkle to yeah. this story. Any yeah. specifics in terms of who he uh, ratted out? I don't know. Actually, I really don't know who he ratted out. I think uh, I, I wonder if that was probably like sort of you know like guarded information at the time or something like that. That's but, worth looking up, good people. Yeah, I had no idea. This changes everything for me. Yeah, because well, I find him so likable. He's so he is likable, and I think I think the fact that uh, you know I'm, I'm, I give him credit for having the conscience to feel bad after the fact at least. No, yeah, he still I don't feel like anyway. That's I don't say he should have done it, but yeah. Well, I mean, feeling bad about like. There's of little hope to. I mean, well, I mean, I guess, I guess the the upside is he didn't really have a career after that. He had this The Godfather was maybe a, a bone thrown to him from Coppola. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just you do well. I mean, a respectable old actor who could pull that role off really well. I guess you know. I, I have no idea why Coppola brought him in, but yeah, you know, as much as as much as any kind of like sort of black, you know, interior blacklisting of Hollywood happened yeah. to him at that point, he also be blacklisted himself. Like he really he. He took a real fucking dive. Yeah, I wonder how someone like Brando felt about him, uh, you know, working yeah. on the guy. Well, they didn't work together in that film, but still. Right, right. right. I wonder how he felt about that. I have no idea. I, actually, I've never, I've never, I have no idea what his politics was, Brando's, relative to, like, the, the House on American Activities thing. I don't He was pretty liberal, so I'm assuming he was uh, had a problem with it. Yeah, and also, but he's also contrary enough to be like, yeah, fuck him. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's his contrary, his sheer contrariness also plays into. Do you it. find Brando to be a con- like a uh, contrary character? Oh yeah, he does. He, he did a lot of things, you know, for effect. Like the whole like the don't the, t- don't say the Indian thing. The Indian that's thing. the Come thing everyone on. goes to. But give me another one. Um. Well, I mean, just the fact that he like. Well, I mean, he was mm-hmm. such a pain in the ass. Ever since then, because he could yeah. be that pain in the ass. So yeah. He did, so he well, he's a prima donna. It's not. I don't think it's contrarian. He's a prima donna. Wow. Is there a distinction there? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there is. I don't mm, know. But, uh, wasn't a very well thought out argument, Tommy. Uh, well, sorry. Come back to this. Yeah, I'll, we'll, I'll we'll work on attach that. Attach an yeah. epilogue to this. I give a fuck. I will get. Um, I will get back to you. He was a right. dick. Brando? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So argue um, that smarty pants. Well, it's different claim. 
totally forgot. So, so Hayden, um, I always thought, I mean, he's a sympathetic character. He looks sympathetic. I mean, he's just sort of like uh, tall, especially for the time. Well, yeah, he was. I like, I like the fact that he was like that actor that they didn't have to come up with like short doorways for him to go uh, through and all that shit. Like he was, he was coming was through regular doorways and almost not. Alan Ladd. Alan Ladd, Humphrey, Humphrey Bogart, Bogart like yeah. just tons of them. Yeah. Cagney just dealt with the fact that he was short. It wasn't a big deal. But I don't think they had the technology to have short doorways at that time. But they had boxes. Yeah. So Sterling Hayden always struck me. He's a tall guy. He's sort of like good, like rock solid, like chiseled, right? Um, good looking, and kind yet of like an odd face, a, a little, little weathered. Yeah, not not traditional Hollywood pretty by any stretch, which is probably what would. But have kept but a beautiful him man. I mean, good looking, super good looking. Right, well, did you see those guns he had in <laughs> he had in that movie there. Uh, We're going to be talking about soon. Okay, so so um, but behind it all is a sort of like tragic figure. I think yeah. he plays it much better than than someone like James Dean does, for instance. Right. Who has to sort of like you're driving me crazy. And <laughs> Holloway. I mean, I'm sorry, Hayden Sterling Holloway, the voice <laughs> of Winnie the Pooh. Sterling Hayden. What are you saying, Riff Christopher? Uh, Sterling Hayden just had to be quiet and look at you, and he just looking like a you could poker be, eyes yeah he had like he would have i think he would have been a great like uh what do you mm-hmm. call, like a silent movie actor because he could work as he could work his face and yep. really get across some emotion there yeah like, like menace particularly he did menace really fucking well okay yes all right so we'll start with 1950s um the asphalt jungle oh yeah so we're talking about something something directed by john houston mm-hmm. um houston's trying to sort of st- like restylized noir in a way, almost. And he's, he's kind of credited with starting noir with like the Maltese Falcon too. Okay. So yeah, yeah. No, this is. I think this was his attempt to, as you say, sort of put put his hat like fully into the modern noir concept as it was going down at the time. And it's a it's a caper film. Oh yeah, right. It's a great caper film. Well, I mean, caper films have like a certain quality to them, right? I think here's the thing. Yeah, agreed. And I think most caper films, for me, caper films are at their best when there's a little bit of humor going on in there, and there's a yep. little bit of humor going on in Asphalt Jungle. Okay, there's some there's some like there's some nice good like sight gags and things going on that are pretty funny. There's a few tropes that happen in caper films as well, right? So it's like one of them strikes me. Uh, it happens in things like Criss Cross. I think it happens in like Rafifi. There's always like um an element. There's someone who's uh, like an intellect there's an intellect right. like an old wise the old, sometimes yeah. alcoholic the planner the planner right the guy who puts together the caper right right and so it has to be that guy and so what's interesting about caper films is it always has the quality of like you know bringing together all these sort of different forces who may or may not have been together mm-hmm. initially right right okay so sterling holloway Shit, it occurs to me we could have called this the caper episode yeah in a way because both films are caper films but but handle <sighs> there's similarities but there are there obvious differences also oh, yeah, between the two films right yeah so so the asphalt jungle from 1950 so it stars sterling holloway you have um the great sterling I, hayden a uh, sterling hayden <laughs> i'm gonna do this all episode <laughs> sterling hayden the uh, i always always love lewis calhoun who play who who is um the, the old german the, oh, no no oh no no the the, the, the hunchback Sorry, he plays a uh, hunchback in this movie no no which one is he wow i don't know the names of these fucking people that's a classic film uh, podcast, Tom. But uh, Lewis Calhoun was um, uh, high society. Mm-hmm. Um, oh right, the, okay. The yeah. blackboard jungle. Oh, yeah, he was always he always plays like just this side of like a cad in a lot. In a yeah, lot of movies, right. He's like he's like a mustache. lovable like a lovable cad. 
oh, he's this very unique uh, sort of voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he's always just like uh, plays someone who's just slightly out of place too. Either and always very cynical. Right. Yeah. So so the two of them uh, get top billing and and um, but it's an ensemble cast, right? And and so hell of an ensemble cast. Yeah, yeah. So you have you know you have this unnamed sort of Midwest city, right? Right. Like the naked city of the Midwest, somewhere it's, in the neighborhood of Cleveland, but we're but we're not sure what it is. And Maybe um, Cincinnati. and there's a um a, a, a police department that um is dealing with a city that you know the crime won't stop the city right. never sleeps and yet the the department itself is a bit corrupt right right, right. so we're so, showing that in no uncertain terms here and so, immediately. right yeah and so um you have this sort of like um city that also has a cast of characters who are always sort of like um, being dragged in round up the usual, usual suspects, suspects right, right? Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and, <laughs> authentic Casablanca accent there. Yeah, and in comes Sam, Sam Jaffe, who's who's always been a, a great a character actor, uh, right. and, and he he's plays our mastermind. He's our mastermind, the planner, right? Right. And just out of prison. Yep. Go ahead. Whilst in prison, he, had, he before going into prison, he'd come up with like a plot with a, with a caper. Yeah. And he went into the went into the can, served his time, planned it out, came out, and just w- came over to do that caper. So it's it's all about like getting the people together, right? right. And people, um, and and um, so so somehow they have to get like money together. Um, mm-hmm. They need a financier. They need to get all the right. There's always that sort of list in a caper film, like who's who's your best box man, right. the guy who does the safe work. Who who do we count on to be a good driver? And mm-hmm. and um, and the hooligan, the thug, is the Sterling thug. Hayden. Sterling Hayden, right? He yeah. was a very uncomplicated. Yep. He's from, he's a Kentuckian. He all his dream is to go back and, and reclaim the farm that his family lost. So immediately, what this film has in it is. Um, the sort of like the honor of thieves right. and, uh, and Sterling Hayden, right? He's got this sort of like um, uh, honor about like money that he owes. He's a right. stand-up guy, even though he's a hood. And then, of course, the rotten institution, like the the, the cop who's on the take in, right. you know. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, you know, I don't know. Well, and how the hooligan is, well, and the hooligan is not allowed to have a con- like like honor. Or anything like that. He's like not allowed that. to buy what? Like by the society? Police. Yeah, oh, by society, yeah. yeah. Society and not to mention society of, of his other criminal elements, too. I mean, the only one who recognizes that in him is Jaffe, and he takes full advantage of it. It's 19, yeah, it's 1950. It's, you know, post war, um, you know, baby boomer. And so it's. I don't know that even Houston knows how to do this in, an, in a complicated fashion, which is to say, like, every time, like, okay, so in order to demonstrate how um, corrupt the police can be, um, they bring in Hayden, who's mm-hmm. been suspected of a previous crime, right. uh, for a lineup, <laughs> and it's sort of like you know, um, you said it was a tall man. Hayden is by like a foot and a half the <laughs> tallest tall. person in the lineup. Well, they also like list the crimes of everybody up on the uh, up on the lineup too. Only his, actually. They give the, the this long rap sheet and like, can, do you see the man that right. I'm pointing at? <laughs> and it's 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 sort of ham fisted in some ways, right. right? Like I don't know. Yeah, go ahead. Well, and then just and then Hayden in, in that great silent acting just glares yeah. like a monster at the uh, at the witness and the witness slowly caves. You have the obligatory sort of dame, the doll. I think her name, name is actually is actually doll actually doll in this film, right. who's been sort of always always waiting for for um, for Hayden and, and would do anything he wants and yeah, like the, get busy, yeah, shut the, your yapper, yapper, carrying the biggest fucking torch for him, yeah. and he can't see it for sour Al shit. 
He's Sour just, shit. She's just he's like his sister or something like that. That's how he sees it. Yeah, I guess. Or he's, I, maybe he's gay. Maybe they never. Maybe there's a subtext there that we we don't catch up because it's I suppose so. So so Doc, um, you know Sam Jaffe puts this whole thing together. He's he's actually probably the most compelling character outside of Sterling Hayden. Yeah. Um, in oh, this yeah. film, the, the 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 German who's quietly done his time in prison, holding this caper in his head. Right. Super um, smart, more or less ahead of everybody. Yeah. You know, but, except not quite ahead. He gets taken advantage of. Too, well, so. well, but he knows it. He's yeah. wise enough to know that the world is just full of people who are unreliable, right? And so, the, and and so, then we have the caper, right? And the caper that that um, you know is partially successful and has its sort of you know goes wrong. Every caper has to go wrong. Right. Right? It has its hilarious go wrong moment. They blow the safe, and somehow that sets off all the alarms in every other building on the block. So now it's just a matter of like um, you know the, the police unraveling the crime, and of course you have this ridiculous police commissioner. Who's, I mean, I, yeah. the least fun guy I've ever seen as a cop. Like, that's another area where it's like Houston surprisingly makes him uncomplicated. Right. This, I like this film, by the way. I should say I do like this film. Mm-hmm. But I, it's it's full of issues. And part of it is, I think, the direction from a guy I really admire, John Houston. But he makes these decisions that are... are too obvious, right? right? It's sort of like the side of good is is so good that it's boring. It's boring as fuck, yeah. Yeah, and 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 the bad guys and are a little so preachy, and preachy too. Yeah, preachy, preachy as though uh, preaching outside of the movie, right? Uh, Telling right. the audience this shit, yeah, a little bit, right? And right. so, so I'm I'm not quite sure what to do with this film at times, and 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 what saves it is that it's so stylized that it'll get you through those moments where. Where the story or the ta- you know yeah, the cool. the moral of the story is sort of um, over the top and the acting I got to say and the acting is as well is but, over the top yeah no 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 I said the acting also saves it for me yeah I agree I mean uh, Hayden walks away Hayden walks away with it uh, Jaffe mm-hmm. walks away with it. two absolutely the most compelling people on the screen for yeah. sure they almost get a little they almost get upstaged by Calhoun. No. Don't say Monroe. I'm going to say Monroe. Okay. Monroe in, so this in is Marilyn Monroe's like breakout film. She's been in some films before. This is the one, first one where she has any real screen time. Right. And she's... she's she plays she's, Calhoun's um, uh, you know, mistress. Like mistress, like 18-year-old mistress. Yep. Just beautiful. I mean, she's at her... I think she's probably at her most beautiful in this movie. But also she's playing like... She's playing a serious, like, innocent... Ingenue, maybe not as innocent as we think, but she's mm-hmm. she's super innocent. Is how she comes across, and she pulls it off really well. I thought the, the, when she's on the huh. screen, she she commanded the screen even in this movie. I just, I think she functions in this film, and and yeah, I she's mean, not look, a great character, and she's not well rounded. That's for sure. Well, she's I mean, she's no different really than she is in uh, three years later in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. She's kind of the same actress. Mm-hmm. It's just put in black and white and given limited screen time. Yeah. So to that extent, I don't find her like, you know, we did an episode on Bus Stop. You think about other films she's done, like The Misfits, you know. or, or even oh, no, when it's she's... not her best role. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm not saying that at all. I'm it's also not... I'm also confused by something very surface level, which is this. Her face is not quite as beautiful as it became later on. Well, it wasn't as full. She was a lot skinnier. Well, that's the thing. But her body, anyone who's, who who says her body is better later is ridiculous. No, no, her body. Her body is magnificent <laughs> in this shit. film. The shoulders are crazy. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh sorry. Um, so we're gonna we're, we'll be back in fifteen minutes. Calhoun, fifteen. Calhoun, um, Louis Calhoun also is an interesting character because you know he's got this wife who's not Marilyn Monroe, who's sort of bedridden and yeah, and wants his attention, and he he wants to be this other guy. I like the character. That Calhoun plays, I find it very interesting as a side story because he wants right. to. He's he's wealthy, 
but he's cash poor. Yeah. But he wants to. The reason he's cash poor is because he's trying to be this guy who he's not. Right. Which is to say, like smooth, interesting, able to get women, and he actually is stuck in the life that is en- engulfing him. I think if there's, I think if I if I were to point to like a major flaw, I think in the movie is that yep. there are like several several sort of strings that don't get enough play. They don't get tugged enough. Like that, like that relationship between him and his wife. Yeah. Like there, there were things that could have been like gotten into more in depth that maybe they did and they could pull out of the well because she just floor. comes across know, as a dummy and you end up sympathizing with the with the fact that he's have he has a woman on the side which right. you shouldn't be sympathizing right, with right, right. you know you should actually be there should be some conflict in his character but we know not to sympathize because of course the DA has nothing but contempt for this man who's going outside of his marriage right like the yeah, same it's, it's, it ends up being preachy in the that. more we talk about this film the less I like it although <laughs> I, I do like the film I want to say it's an interesting you know uh, contender I, kinda, in the I, noir I like list. this film on a bad I like this film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. So I guess it's sort of there's something about the film that rises above the criticism that two middle-aged men would give it mm-hmm. sixty years later. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's true of most of our episodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's a. I mean, and, and in some ways, um, I think stylistically, it, it shares a lot with the film we're going to talk about next. Oh yeah. Um, but you know, anyway. Definitely. Well, it's a classic noir in the sense of it's like the camera work, the lighting. Mm-hmm. Has all the has all the classic sort of uh, you know touches of a noir here. Mm, Very much a classic. Uh, yeah. yeah, so we're seeing uh, if, if for nothing else, as Tom points out, the, the sort of like big time film debut of Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, and a lot of elements to it, and like I said, Hayden I think does a great job in this movie. So now we turn to a film that Tom and I have. Only seen like maybe, Ooh, maybe once, or yeah, ten thousand million times, yeah, thereabouts, yeah. So nineteen fifty six is the killing, the killing, also starring uh, Sterling Hayden. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting here is, yeah, we have an episode that that we're calling Sterling Hayden that could be called a caper episode, yeah. but it also it's interesting because the directors come in. We have Houston versus Kubrick, right? Now Houston is you know fairly well established, and this is not Kubrick's first film, but it's first like noticeable it's of, film. Yeah, it's one of his. It's one of his very early. He's he's not. Kubrick yet. The next year he made uh, Paths of Glory, so we know he's you know right. he's on fire. Now this film is, um, I would say like if if nineteen fifties The Asphalt Jungle is like yes classic noir, it's doing the noir thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe Houston's like sort of reframing noir a little bit. This film is much more influential in terms of you know I mean th- take a look at um, um, Reservoir Dogs for right. instance coming out of this film right mm-hmm. forty or fifty years later whatever it is right so nineteen fifty six the killing so so we have um, Sterling Holloway Sterling Hayden they're all never stop doing it no um, uh, again sort of putting now he puts together he puts he's the he's the mastermind he's the guy who yeah. puts together the gang absolutely yeah and and, and um, wildly diverse cast of very crew. diverse you, which what's really funny is is when I when I the, like the first hundred or so times I watched this movie yeah. I was like there's something I recognize in here and then later on I found out that the the screenwriter was was Jim Thompson yeah who's a writer that I that I that I simply adore he's yeah. a great uh, hard-boiled writer mm-hmm. um, and uh, there are some and and having Realize having no, now knowing that I was like, oh, okay, there are some definite Jim Thompson esque. What is some, what is some Thompson type touches in, just in, in general? Before in we can Jim get into Thompson's this world, every woman is uh, is killing the men around her. Oh, yeah. That's, sure. That's happening here. Yeah. Elijah Woods, uh, Elijah Wood Junior.'s wife in this one is just is hell on. Yeah, you mean Alicia Cook? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what's happened here, but this is Sterling an episode Holloway. where we can't get anyone's name right. Wow, 
Elijah. Yeah, Elijah right. Wood Elijah, Jr. Elijah Cook Jr. Fuck me. Yeah, uh, Wilma, Wilma, come here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, so so his wife. That's definitely a, that's definitely a straight up Jim Thompson character. Okay, so the so both of them. The, the the distinction here is like in in the asphalt jungle. There's a classic like let's get the players together. But the players here all have more interesting sort of stories that are being told, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, and this is what reminds me of like a Tarantino film, not just Reservoir Dogs, but I think Jackie Jackie Brown is also kind of like this. It's like yeah. you stop and there's a cop who's going to be part of the caper, right? A cop right. on the take, but it's like you stop and you get this sort of story about mm-hmm. the cop right sort of like yeah his... everyone's got their arc every character every one of these weird goofy sort of off characters have their little arc going on yeah right so, so you have you have this sort of cop you have um a a, a broken down sort of like pro wrestler mm-hmm. like early like wwf style right from the 1950s um who, who's going to be like oh. a weird part of the distraction for the caper right? right now the caper is to knock over a racetrack happens to be bay meadows in in san mateo California. where yeah. elijah cook uh jr works as a, a bet taker yeah, yeah essentially yeah. right right ticket right. yeah what did they call that I don't know. I, I call it a bet taker. A bet taker. Okay, well, well played. And then you, I mean, you have other sort of like um, distractors. You have someone who's hired to sit across in a car across the racetrack right. and shoot a horse during a certain race, so that'll cause a distraction. Right. So there's like several distractions going on, mm-hmm. um, and, and and none of them really know each other, yeah. right? So this is like all a Thomas Crown affair, all the Reservoir Dogs, um, and. You have this really interesting way also of telling the story, which is to say that it's not completely sequential. Right. Right, you know? He does walk around with time. Leonard Baldwin's bashed this film. He, he said it was really? an okay film, but what ruins it is the voiceover. And I, I, mm. I'm I, able to take the voiceover because it, what, it's what pins all these little yeah. parts together. Meanwhile, 12 minutes earlier, he right. had gone down and, and all these explanations of why something's not quite going to work out i'm not usually a fan of the voiceover no i'm not either I'm not usually but i don't Works know here. that it hurt this movie in any and way, it right? is a very heavy it's like ted knights from the super friends like meanwhile <laughs> it's very very voiceovery right right if you ovaries, <laughs> very voiceovery for sure yeah 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 so so and 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 the thing that's going to undo it all well there's many things that could undo it all but the thing that really really undoes it is Alicia Cook's cunty cunty wife one of the most hateable women ever on screen yeah she's she's like she's up she's up there with uh, Manchurian Candidate Uh, what's her name from that like the mom Angela Lansbury Angela Lansbury from that yeah yeah well I'm thinking of uh, American Hustle do you remember that I mean, this is just... Oh, God damn it. That it's was unfair, magic. I guess. But, yeah. but there, every once in a while, there's a woman who you just want to bury in a film. <laughs> and, and this is one of them. She's definitely one of them. Yeah, absolutely. She, yeah, oh, so she, goes, like, she goes so far towards killing it. It's all about um, the sort of the complex you know, web of like different subplots from people in the story who all have, each have their own story, mm-hmm. who don't know each other that well, put together by Sterling Hayden for this racetrack um, caper. Right. Um, and then also these little moves. And I don't want to say exactly what happens. I don't think we should give it away. But something happens near the end at Alicia Cook Jr.'s apartment. Right. Which is, which is actually also sort of like um, Kurosawa-like in, in a weird way. Hmm. How do you mean? 
I don't. Well, I, I couldn't yeah, say without giving right, it away, right, but right, I, right, I just right. want to say like that sort of like, um, well, you know, Tarantino does it too, and I think he borrows from Japanese directors the overhead shot of like the the Mexican standoff between four or five yeah. guns, right? Mm-hmm. That type of ridiculous and like, what's the consequence of that? Right. But also very Tarantino, pre-Tarantino, in the sense of like, um, it's the little things that matter. Right, it's not the caper. It's like the forgetting the guitar case, yes, or yes. like forgetting a key, or right. something or, like or, that, or buying a really shitty suitcase. Right? Oh, uh, <laughs> to to which leads into like one of the most tragic scenes uh, of all, of all film of all ever. time. And, and if and you one thought of the most you hated hateable dogs, if you thought you hated tiny dogs before, <laughs> holy fuck! Oh my oh, yeah. god! Yeah, so uh. it's. Yeah, so just an amazing like put together film. I, I would say like there's to me there's no comparison. The Asphalt Jungle is a very like competent, very likable film. I oh, enjoy yeah, many yeah. things about it, but the killing is just a fucking special. masterpiece on so many levels. It is. And so few people have heard of it, given yeah. given the the massive influence I think it's had on films. Oh yeah, yeah, it's tremendous influence on films. And and again, it was Kubrick. Like I said, this is Kubrick before he was Kubrick. And um, like, Kubi, they call him. What's that? Kubi. Nah, he just wasn't. He the, was. The coup, the coup man. Shut up, you coo, 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 coo. You know what I'm talking about mm-hmm, here. Yeah. I mean, he even managed to use uh, like uh, the 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 assassin with the rifle. Yep. Tim Carey is, is the actor's name. He also appears. He's also uh, heavily featured in Paths of Glory, the next one. Oh, okay. So that was like a favorite that Kubrick had brought forward into the next movie. This is your your piece of information that Kubrick liked certain actors. He kept reviving them every in once in a while. Films. Yeah, he would do that. Yeah, but I think I think when he when he became when he, when he got back to Clockwork Orange, I don't know that he was doing that so much anymore. Hmm. But yeah, yeah it was almost interesting. Though. Tremendous. Well, I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad you were here to be bored by it, you cocksucker. All right. All righty, my friend. Uh, so I guess what we're saying is Sterling Hayden, not Holloway, is great. He is great. Yeah, absolutely. Please, uh, the, uh, the Killing is a tremendous movie. That's that's a must watch, I think. Yeah. more Top 100 movie. Top 100? Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah. Yep. Tommy, Tommy Bear. Tommy Boo Boo, uh, the yes, Tom yeah. Man. Yes, Josephus. <laughs> Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Of yeah, your go own? check me out at tomsmithcomedy.com. I try to keep mm-hmm. that up to date. Nah. And uh, also uh, catch me on um, at smittyha.com. Uh, not dot com, but at smittyha on Twitter. On the Twitters, huh? Yeah. Okay, great. By the way, something we haven't been mentioning, but um, we we love it when you uh, send us a little email. Ah, please. Oh, do little, we love the oh, emails? The on film mm, at gmail.com. The questions answered. Um, and we'd love it if you'd rate and review us on iTunes. Tommy? Josephus? Love you, pal.